Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So China is dealing with a series of economic imbalances that are threatening the stability of their economy. Desmond Latchman, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, joins us now to discuss what's happening there and how it might impact the United States and the global economy. Desmond, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, what is happening in China. What what is the reality? What do we know for sure in terms of what's happening in their economy? Well, what we know, what is drawing a lot of attention to China is the fact that Evergrande, which is a huge property development company, in fact, it's the most highly indebted property company in the world. It's got debt of $300 billion. It's running into big problems. So what that's doing is it's drawing attention of observers you know, from outside China to the weakness in the Chinese economy in that they're relying too much on their housing markets and their credit markets to keep that economy going. So a lot of people are thinking that a lot of China's growth the last decade or so was really artificially based and that they're really running out of road now. So what we could see is we could see the Chinese economy slowing down quite a lot going forward. And if that were the case, that would have big implications for the global economy. It would have big implications for the United States because China is the world's second largest economy. So it's also been the main engine of economic growth for the world. It's been the big consumer of commodities, you know, so that's kept prices of those things up. So if China slows, that'll have reverberations through the global economy. Yeah, so let's unpack that just a little bit uh, as you as you look at that kind of potential bubble burst in China uh, and what that actually leads to in terms of banking, financial markets, uh, similar to, I guess, what we would have seen here in the U.S. in 2008 or Spain in 2010. Uh, or does it just give us this kind of sustained underperformance, uh, as in the case of Japan back in the in the 90s? What's most likely to, to play out as you look at some of those factors? Yeah, it's not going to be a bust like we had in the United States in 2008 and won't be like Spain 2010. And the reason that one would think it's not going to be that case is because the Chinese 
government basically controls the financial system. So they can come and rescue these companies. They can prop them up artificially. And that is really what Japan did before. When Japan's housing market bust uh, back in the uh, early 90s. So what we'd get is we'd get the Chinese economy propping up these companies. So it'll be a slow burn that the banks in China will get stuffed with all of these non-performing loans. They won't be able to extend credit. So the country will go from a very fast growth path, you know, that recent years has been growing 7 8% consistently, you know, maybe to something like 2%, but it's not going to be a deep recession. It's just going to be the Chinese economy slowing down and being on that low growth path for many years to come. Yeah. I know that you and, and others who uh, follow that closely uh, have had that vision obscured just a little bit by uh, President Xi's Common Prosperity Program. Tell us what, what that is and why is that making it harder for us to really assess what that economic out- outlook is for China? Well, you know, the Common Prosperity Program would just be another reason why one would not have a very positive view about China's growth prospects over the longer term. What he's trying to do is he's trying to address problems of wealth inequality in China. But what he's doing is he's going after a lot of the big companies that have been a basis of Chinese growth. So he's really rolling back reforms that Deng Xiaoping made in the late 70s that really put China on this fast growth path. So if he begins to concentrate more power in the public sector clamps down on the private sector, you know, he might be uh, killing the goose that laid the golden egg uh, in a slow way. So that's yet another reason, you know, so we've got the property market busting being one reason why it's costing a cloud. This common prosperity program costs another cloud over China's long-term outlook. And then you've got factors, demographic factors, that China, because of their one-child policy, what they've now entering into a period is their working force is declining by about 1% a year. So if you've got less workers uh, to do the production, you know that would be another reason for China slowing. So long story short, it looks to me like China is really just going to repeat the path that Japan did you know, in the 70s and 80s in the United States, we were really afraid that Japan was going to eat our lunch, that they were so much more productive as us. And then we found that the Japanese economy had clay feet and it underperformed for a decade or two. The same thing appears what's going to happen with China is that we've been so worried that China is going to overtake us and really outperform us. And what seems to me more likely is that China is now going to go to a pretty slow growth path and, uh, you know, not be as much of a threat as economic threat as we thought it would be. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we have Desmond Latchman, senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute. He's also, he was formerly a deputy director, the International Monetary Fund's Policy Development and Review Department uh, and the chief emerging market economist strategist at Solomon Smith Barney. Uh, And Desmond, I so appreciate your perspective on all of this. So we we know that uh, President Biden is going to take off on a Air Force One tomorrow and and head to the G20 economic 
summit as well as the uh, climate summit in Glasgow. Uh, China will not be in in that space. Uh, but what is it that the U.S. should be doing to take advantage of this time in terms of a competitive edge over China? Uh, obviously, there are areas where we need China's help. Obviously, climate is one of those. Uh, North Korea uh, strikes me as another where you have to have Russia and China together. But strategically, what should the U.S. be doing uh, to maximize this moment where maybe those clay feet of the economy in China may be showing? Well, what the United States should be doing is getting its own house in order. You know, that's what is really very troubling about the United States is just the whole approach to macroeconomic policy. We've now got an inflation problem. We've got a public debt problem. We've got a big budget deficit problem. One would really want to strengthen the underpinnings of the United States. And it seems to me that policy being as loose as it's been, so much public spending occurring without corresponding taxes, really gets us into our own sort of mess. So what I'd want to see is I'd want to see the United States take advantage of the Chinese weakness by strengthening our economy, you know, so that we remain the dominant economy uh, on the globe. But uh, the tendency in the United States, it looks like, you know, we could be heading to trouble of our own. You know, the Federal Reserve's created a whole lot of bubbles in the asset markets and the credit markets. So we've got a lot to worry about uh, domestically. Um, so perhaps uh, we should really be focusing inwardly, strengthening our economy and let the Chinese go on their own uh, slow growth path. That's, uh, that is fantastic insight. I wish everyone in Washington was listening to that. Let's get our house in order. Uh, this is a good chance to, to do just that, to focus on a debt, deficit spending, keep the economy going, the inflation uh, on and on and on the the list goes there. But great insight as always. Desmond Latchman, Senior Fellow at American Enterprise Institute. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good to talk to you. Wonderful. All right, we're going to step aside for one last commercial break. That is sound advice. We China does have some struggles ahead. And what should we do? We should get our own house in order, fiscally, economically. Uh, there's a lot we can do. There's a lot we need to do. We'll continue to talk about it here on Inside Sources. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.